0: Hey leaders, Matt here with your week two leader guide. Excited to jump in. Our passage is Mark 14, 27 through 52. And so what I'll do is I'll just read through the questions and give some different perspectives on how to answer them and how to lead your group discussion time. The first question we have is an icebreaker question. That's one you can feel free to use. You don't have to use it, but we always give you one just to start out with. Just be aware that sometimes these icebreaker questions can, can go on for a while, uh, depending on you know how um, fun they are to answer. And so um, as you plan your night, just know, okay, we may not want to do this one or spend too much time on it. So um, just lead that in the way that's best for your group. But our first question is our, the question we, we throw out here uh, with our, our head question as we have our head, heart, hands paradigm, and that's the question that says, what stood out to you in this section of Scripture or from Sunday sermon? I love this question because it's a great kind of entryway into discussing the text and the sermon, and so it gives your, your group the opportunity to really not have a wrong answer. They can share, well, this is what God spoke to me, or I love when Pastor Nate said that. And uh, it's really accessible to everyone in your group. Encouragement is to just let the, the, the question linger. Your, your, your group might need a little bit of time reading over their notes or reading back through the passage to answer. So do your best not to fill in the silence with your own voice. As we say often, embrace the awkward silence. Because if you're okay with it, eventually someone else in your group won't be and they'll jump in and they'll answer the question. Question two, still in our head kind of paradigm here, uh, what lessons do we learn from Jesus in this passage? And what lessons do we learn from the disciples? So the goal with this question is really to invite your group to examine Jesus in this passage. And then secondly, examine the disciples. And uh, this is just a way that we can continue to model what it's like and what we how we should be reading the scriptures. We're looking for Jesus. We're looking to God. You know, oftentimes we look at the Word and immediately jump to, what does this say about me or my life? But we want to look at Christ, His character. We want to be uh, distracted by Him and awe of Him. And so that's one of the ways that we can continue to teach this way of reading the Bible. But then secondly, there's a lot that happens with the disciples that we can glean from, and so we want to as well investigate that. Pastor Nate gave uh, four great kind of lessons about Jesus. He found solace in the Word. He hoped in the resurrection. He endured aloneness on his mission, and he resolved to carry out his purpose. For the disciples, the lessons he saw were that they did not see themselves correctly, This was part of their shortcomings, part of their uh, failures. Secondly, they were not dependent upon God. And third, they did not understand the upside-down nature of the kingdom. So these are some lessons that Pastor Nate pointed out. In addition, you know, we include in the leader guide some different ways to to view this in in light of Jesus and and the, the incredible scene of the garden and the peek into what he was feeling and experiencing leading up to his crucifixion. It's a great reminder to us that Jesus was human. He wasn't emotionless, detached from our world. He felt pain and distress, much like we feel. And those very real feelings, he brought them to God. And so we're going to talk about that in other questions, but it's a great reminder from Hebrews 4.15 that says, we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. In Christ, we have a Savior who knows what it's like to feel discouraged and overwhelmed. And so this should encourage us to run to him even more. And then I think also, I like to highlight that in this passage, we see some pretty incredible fumbles and foibles with the disciples, you know? And to me, this is one more example of why the Gospels are really eyewitness accounts That these aren't legends written hundreds of years later by the early church leaders in order to consolidate their power and build their movement. If they were trying to do that, why would they include such embarrassing and awkward stories of the apostles uh, really blowing it and really falling short? I think the the best explanation for why we see Peter's arrogance and we see their fleshly weakness or we see their abandoning Jesus in his uh, moment of greatest need is because that's really what happened. <laughs> and so it speaks to me more that what we have in our hands is the true biographies of Jesus, and so that should build our trustworthiness of the Word. Next, we move into our heart section, and these questions are designed to really help shape our hearts in light of the gospel. This is where we may get a little more personal and uh, trying to see how the Word impacts us. Question three says, in what ways can you relate to the disciples' failures? How does Christ's obedience and submission to the Father while in the garden encourage you and give you hope in the face of your struggles? And really this question is designed to help uh, the members of your group uh, discuss how they can relate to the disciples' shortcomings. Because we can all relate, right? But also how Jesus' example in the garden gives them courage to face their struggles. You see, one of the beautiful things in looking at the disciples' shortcomings is we can relate and we can see. Okay, God, you don't call just the the great and the good and the you know the the smart and the the strong. You call the weak <laughs> and you call uh, failures. to to be yours and to be your disciples and to carry this message forward. I'm encouraged by that because we see if the disciples can be used by God and Jesus could be patient and gracious and not give up on them, man, how much more is he going to continue to use us as we surrender to his will? So we see that in their weakness, Jesus was strong. And the same is true for us today. Our Savior is strong on our behalf. The same Spirit that gave Jesus the strength to not... Uh, to say, not my will, but yours be done, has given us the power to say, God, not my will, but yours be done. The same spirit that... Uh, made known uh, is the is the same spirit that will make known to us the way of escape in the face of temptation according to 1 Corinthians 10:13 and this is the same spirit that invites us to walk in him so that we don't give into our fleshly desires and so it's am- amazing to just see the gentleness, the graciousness, the strength, the rebuke of Jesus but that he doesn't give up on these guys and that should motivate us to continue to pursue his plan for our lives even more and say not my will but yours be done Question four, in the midst of incredible sorrow, Jesus brought his distress to the Father in prayer. How does this encourage you? What area of your life do you need to freshly trust to your loving Heavenly Father's care? Now, this question is really um, an opportunity for your group to discuss how Jesus's prayer can encourage and inspire them to bring their cares before God. You know, that's the truth and that's the promise that we have. We can cast our cares on Him because He cares for us, 1 Peter 5, 7. And we know that Jesus knew the Father cared because He calls Him Abba Father. There's a just a beautiful intimacy there that the Spirit allows us to peek in on. And uh, we can know that if Jesus came to the Father with His feelings, with His pain, with His Uh, being overwhelmed, how much more can we come to the Father and seek His face as well? Often our first uh, instinct is not to go to God in prayer when we're overwhelmed or we're feeling discouraged, but maybe it's to run to different things. But this passage shows us that that's the right and true response, is to go to the Lord to cast these burdens before Him. Knowing that just like Jesus, that, you know, the Father didn't remove Jesus's cup from Him, but the Father gave Jesus exactly what He needed to face what was before Him. And the same can be true for us. God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we think he should, but he will give us the strength, the wisdom, the perspective that we need to face whatever life throws our way. And so encourage your group invite them to share that area of their life that maybe they've been holding on to that they need to freshly commit to God. And depending on how new your group is, how well you guys know one another, some of your members may not feel comfortable um, sharing something like that. And so I encourage you to lead out and give your groups the gift of going second so that they can say, oh, well, if, if they're willing to share, maybe I'm willing to share something like that as well. And then the last question is kind of our general application question. We, we intentionally leave it open just to allow the Holy Spirit to speak uh, whatever applications He wants to speak in order for us to change, not just the way we think, but the way that we live. And the question is, after studying this passage, what's one thing that you're going to do to apply it to your life? And so encourage your members to, um, to, to, to share what that thing is. We don't want to just talk about the word. We want to actually say, what is, what is this going to change in my life? Uh, this week. And so I encourage you um, to finish your group time in prayer and, and maybe even use answers to question four to really um, populate your prayer time and, uh, and, and use that as a way to pray these things um, to the Lord. Now, as we talk about following Christ together, this being our vision, guys, one of the best ways to do this that I've found is praying together. You know, um, I've led a life group for many years, and i, I found that prayer is the thing that can easily get kind of the least amount of time in my group because I think we're we've got you know a certain level of comfortability with one another and fellowship and so we spend time with that. We've got the scriptures and there's so much to dig into and unpack and especially in larger passages like this, that sometimes the prayer time can just um, you know we end up not having enough time for it. And I want to just encourage you, as we seek to follow Christ together, prioritize that prayer time. And let me give you one tip to think about for the coming weeks if you find yourself not getting to prayer, and that is simply start your time in prayer. We've done that with our group before when we felt like we weren't giving prayer enough time. I'd encourage you, start your time out with prayer. Just let your group know, hey guys, we're gonna mix it up. We're gonna change it up. It's totally okay to do that. You're the leader. If you feel that prayer isn't as much as a priority as you want it to be, my tip to you would be, hey, try starting your group in prayer next week or some of the coming weeks and see what the Lord does with that. God bless you guys. We're praying for you. Have a great week of discussion.